The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out at about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, he found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started at about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. And on receiving it, so when the first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. Now he said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus, the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. You can see why the, from our first reading, why the prophet Ezekiel was not necessarily a popular man. And when we understand that those who were the object of his message would have perceived it as well as being kicked when they were down, you can imagine just how much more unpopular he was. Because the people are in exile. Ezekiel is not prophesying in Israel. He's prophesying in Babylon. Among the deported community who have been brought low, brought to nothing, and yet instead of a word of consolation, the prophet shows up again with this stinging, stinging rebuke. A rebuke not to the whole people, 
but a rebuke to the shepherds, a rebuke of the priests, a rebuke of the scribes, a rebuke of the rulers, the nobles. It's a remarkable moment where the Lord through the prophet is insisting there's no getting back up until you realize why you fell in the first place. And before I extend the hand of consolation, we have to face some facts. The people fell because you devoured them. You who were trusted with the people enriched yourself from them. You took care of yourselves. You shepherded your own desires. You grew fat and comfortable, and in your comfort, you allowed the flock to wander into harmful places and harmful practices. And why did they go astray but that you were not there for them? And note how in speaking this way, the Lord through the prophet says, if I took you back to Israel tomorrow, what would be different? Because you just do the same things. You're not looking for the restoration of your heart. What you're looking for is to go back to the comfortable position you made for yourself before. And all we will see is the same neglect the same tragedy, the same failure. Oh, you failed shepherds. You blame the people for their wrongs, but you do nothing to correct them. What a remarkable, what a remarkable and stern word this is from the Lord to those among the people who should know better, to those among the people who had been gifted with a certain status, that included a certain responsibility. And here the Lord is underscoring the people fell because the shepherds failed. And they didn't fail because they tried and got it wrong. They failed because they didn't try. Rather than shepherd the sheep, they advanced themselves. And when we understand that, this shouldn't surprise us because human history is littered with examples of those who, rather than care for the people that they lead, seek to enrich themselves and advance themselves at the cost of the people under their care. And in speaking this way, the prophet is also communicating God's message to those shepherds that you've now lost your job. When the restoration happens, there will be shepherds, but it won't be you. What a remarkable moment this is. And the Lord saying, I will raise up shepherds after my heart. I will shepherd my people through those I call from another source and another fountain, and they will take care of my flock. We see the fulfillment of this taking place in the Gospels as Jesus calls his apostles, 
as Jesus begins to establish his church. As Jesus, who describes himself as the good shepherd, shares his vocation to tend the flock with those he has called to himself. And we see as well that the Lord has a very expansive idea of who his flock is, not simply Israel, but also those others well beyond the borders of the promised land. Those sheep as well are lost. Those sheep as well have been wandering without a shepherd, and they must be found. And it's this idea of those others out beyond the borders as well that must be called that lurks beneath this marvelous parable that Jesus gives us today. And the first thing we want to note about this parable are the times of day that we hear. And bluntly put, in the Greek it doesn't say Six o'clock, nine o'clock, noon, three o'clock, and five o'clock. Because that's not how the hours were kept. Rather, it was at the first hour, at the third hour, at the sixth hour, at the ninth hour, at the last hour. These are the hours of prayer. These are the hours of prayer. These are the hours not simply when the people and the church gather to pray. These are the hours when the Lord looks for our prayer. Note how interesting that is. These hours of the day are also the hours of prayer, and they're the hours of employment. And so it is that the Lord comes at the first hour, and he finds some who are ready. And note that we have this marvelous double meaning here now. On the one hand, these are those who are looking to work productively to support themselves. They are diligent. They are responsible. They've arrived. On the other hand, these are also those who from early in their lives have embraced the faith. These are those who early and frequently in their lives have learned to pray, learned to seek the Lord. Note how interesting this is. And so it is the Lord comes and he finds them. And on finding them, note what he does, he gives them something to do. He employs them. Like a shepherd. He gathers them to himself, he takes them with him, and he gives them a place where their work will be rewarded. But the landowner, the Lord, has a large field. And the workers who came, good as they are, diligent as they are, are not enough. And so he goes out again in mid-morning the next hour of prayer. And what does he find? But others have now arrived. Others have arrived seeking employment. Others have arrived. They've come later, but it is still early in the day. 
know, isn't this interesting about how at different points of our lives, one or the other of us might come to faith more quickly than another? And yet as the day passes, there's always someone showing up. But they're there because they are seeking employment and they can't find it in the world around them. The world is passing them by on some levels. They are seeking something more. And so the landowner comes to these who likewise have shown up and are ready to move and he sends them. He sends them to work. Then he comes out in the middle of the day because there is still more work to be done. Note how big the field is. And he comes and he finds others. And they've arrived and they're late. Half of the day has passed. And yet they're not too late to be put to work. And so he chooses them. And he sends them, likewise, to his fields. And curiously, however, he comes in the middle of the afternoon. The day's almost over. He comes at the middle of the afternoon. And so we are puzzled by this, and we say, is it because he has a really big field and a lot of work that needs to be done or is perhaps he struck by the fact that there are so many who wander idly, without direction, without purpose, without a goal, and that it is important for someone to find them and to call them and to give them the dignity of a real place and a real position and real work to do. We pause there at that moment because we have to consider just how much of our living can be spent pointlessly, drifting, wandering, not sure what comes next, not sure where we're going, not sure why we're doing what we're doing. There is so much confusion in the world around us, so many seeking direction, so many longing to move in any direction that looks positive. And that means there are so many ready to follow false voices and false leaders and false guides. And so here is the landowner who is not simply concerned about his harvest, Rather, he is concerned about the many unemployed and idle, the many who drift, the many whose lives are just passing time. And so he goes out and he finds these men in the middle of the afternoon and says, I can use you too. And imagine what the man standing there at three o'clock in the afternoon, in the middle of the afternoon, feels. Other employers have passed him by. Opportunities have passed him by. He perhaps has dropped the ball dozens and dozens of times. And he's there at the street corner, and there's no reasonable possibility of anybody coming by to give him work. 
And then one says, I can use you too. Come with me. Go to my field. I will pay you. I will reward you. How absolutely remarkable this is, and it becomes even more remarkable by him showing up at the end of the day. The workday is coming to an end. And he goes out one more time. And he finds that there are still others waiting. There's no time left in the day to do any real work. And what does he say? Go to my vineyard. Go and work. I will reward you. How absolutely remarkable this is. And we see he's not merely generous in the salary he pays at the end. Rather, his generosity asserts itself first in the way he keeps showing up, keeps seeking those who are idle, those who are drifting, those who have had no one give them real and gainful employment. And in speaking this way, the Lord is saying, one is never too young or too old to turn to me. One's life is never too good or never too wounded and broken and disordered to turn to me. And through all of the ages of the world, I will continue going out to look for and to call those who at least know enough to show up on the corner and wait for me. Note how remarkable this is. Up until the very end of time, up until the very end of our lives, even at the last moment, the Lord comes to that street corner. And he looks to find us there. And in finding us, he looks to gather us to himself and send us to his vineyard. How absolutely wonderful. And this idea that when I call you and I find you, there will be a productivity about your life, a dignity about what you do. There will be a purpose about your living. Idle no more. A drifter no more. How absolutely remarkable. And so it is then, he continues the lesson by saying, at the end of the day, let's pay everybody and start with the guys who work the least. And Jesus knows our hearts. He knows exactly what we think in these situations. They didn't do anything. Why are they getting a reward? because we have this need to compare ourselves with one another. We have this need to think that we know best what is fair and what is right and what is my due. But the simple fact of the matter is nobody had work that day, except that the landowner gave it to them. Nobody had wages coming to them that day except that the landowner hired them. It's amazing how quickly we can feel entitled, though. 
And so it is that we have this shocking moment of discovery and the puzzlement and the joy on the faces of those who arrive last being paid for the whole day. And on hearing about that, those who showed up earlier were already counting their extra coins in advance. Well, if he gave them so much, I can't wait to see what's in the bag for me. And so they arrive, they arrive expecting something beyond, and they only get the same thing. And how remarkable that pettiness can creep into the heart at a moment like this. But now they feel cheated because they were out in the hot sun and they did all the hard work and they worked longer and they put in a good, hard, faithful day. Why are they only getting the same? And what they fail to see is, while they had the dignity of their work, the others had the indignity of their idleness. And while they worked in the hot sun, they failed to see the woundedness of the others living without purpose, under the hot sun of their disappointment in themselves, under the hot sun of their guilt, under the hot sun of their thinking of themselves as failures. Oh yes, these others labored longer in the vineyard, but they didn't suffer more. And so it is, the landowner has one salary. And Jesus is also reminding his people, look, whether you start early in the day or late in the day, the reward is eternal life. What more do you want? What more do you want? The reward is eternal life. Does it really matter who gets the higher throne? The reward is eternal happiness. Does it really matter the quantity? It's going to be infinite. And again, he says, this idea of fair or unfair breaks down because God is not fair. He never was. Because if God is fair, we're not saved. <laughs> Let's be honest. If this is about fairness, I am a smoking pile of cinder up here because that's what I deserve. That's the other piece of this. The last thing we want is God to be fair. God is just and merciful. And mercy is not fairness. Love is not fair. The generosity of love goes beyond what is fair. And so it finishes with the landowner insisting, out of generosity, I hired you. Out of generosity, I reward you. And out of generosity, I hire these others. And out of generosity, I reward them. And I've only got one reward. And none of you would have it if I didn't offer it. None of you would have it if I didn't give it. And in speaking this way, the Lord is also saying to his Jewish apostles, 
This people, the descendants of Abraham, have been gifted with the covenant, have known my ways, but I am going to call others to walk with me too. These latecomers, the Greeks, the Arabs, the Africans, those from distant lands, they will be called as well to work in my vineyard. They come after you, and you prepared their way, but they get the same reward. And to each and every person, he says, whatever season of your life, I find you. I invite you. I call you. And I will reward you if you come with me. Note how remarkably beautiful that is. And beautifully, whatever street corner our heart is standing on right now, However much we've been drifting, however idle we have been, however hard we've been working, in just a couple minutes, we're all going to come forward. And one of two things is going to happen. On the one hand, the Lord, as he, we hear those words, the body of Christ, and stretch out your hands to him. On the one hand, the Lord in this moment might be saying to you, the day is long spent. Come, I still will hire you. Come, work in my vineyard, and I will reward you. On the other hand, it may be that the Lord says, come and receive your wages. And I pay you today with my very self and with all of my goodness. And note what happens when we come forward to Holy Communion. We all stretch out our hands or open our mouths and nobody gets more Jesus than anybody else. <laughs> Note how beautiful that is. There is only one prize. There is only one reward. And it's much more than we could ever hope to deserve. But he is generous. And that is his way. And so here we are in the middle of the day. And we can come forward. And we can be called and sent into his vineyard. And we can also be told to stretch out our hands. And receive the day's wages, his love, his mercy, and his goodness. How can we consider ourselves then anything but rich? Amen.